Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. That's the, that's the goal, isn't it? Him to have us, every part of us. That's the goal. And I uh, pray that uh, you can sing that song that, you know, he has uh, every part of you. So I hope that's the case. But if you've got a copy of God's Word, begin to find Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. We are still looking at our subject this morning uh, in a series that I'm in, I've entitled The Seven Things That God Hates. I think when we think about God, we oftentimes don't think about what does God hate. There's so much... In the world today where it talks about the love of God and uh, God's not mad at you and God likes you and all the other stuff. And we forget that the Bible is clear about some things that God is not satisfied with. And as we begin to think about the text today in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 17, we've been reminding you that these are six things that God hates. Yea, he says they are seven things that are an abomination to God. That is that God dislikes, he's dishonored by these things, but also that word abomination means to make your stomach to churn or to make sick. And so God is literally just sick of these kinds of things. Now, we could probably, most likely, add to this list a lot of different vices and sins, right? I mean, this is not a conclusive list. It's not like God said, well, these seven are just bad, and so the others we're going to overlook. It's not that at all. It's not what the writer is doing. He's actually using a a poetic uh, means by which he's really trying to get to the last of the seven, and that is one of the things God does not like is that there is discord sown among brethren, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks, Lord willing, together. But as we begin to think about these seven sins that God does not like, certainly there's one common denominator that we find in all of them, and that is simply this, that every single one of them is a direct violation of the second greatest commandment ever given to us, and that is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Remember Jesus in Matthew 22 Verse 37 was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. You take everything and sum it down, you're going to come back to love. Loving God, loving people. That's why at Level Plains, that's what we stand for. Loving God and loving people. Because that's what we're called to do as followers of Christ. And so when you begin to look at these lists of sins, you begin to find pretty quickly that they're a direct violation of this second greatest commandment. First of all, we dealt with the issue of pride. And we said that when we're dealing with the issue of pride, that's when we overvalue ourselves and devalue other people. And then we talked last time together, we talked about lying and how lying really is the the new day hate speech. You know, we're, we're told all the time about what's hate speech. The Bible reminds us in Proverbs 26 that the real hate speech is when we spew out lies. And we said that the reason why God doesn't like us spewing out lies is not just simply because it violates this second greatest commandment. It's also the DNA of the devil. 
As we go through the list, I hope you're beginning to see something that's pretty common. First of all, pride sort of runs its way through them all. But as you begin to see, the list begins to expand. You begin to see that you start with pride, then you move into lying, and then the next thing you move into is what we're going to talk about today is the shedding of innocent blood. Now, I know what we like to do when we hear sermons like this. We like to say, yeah, preacher, that's right. Tell them about the world, how they're out there. They're living for the devil and they're doing the wrong things. And I even read a news story this morning about a murder that took place in Coleman yesterday. Uh, a mother killed her two children and then killed herself. What a, what a horrible, horrible thing that's going on there. And so, you know, our tendency is to sort of reflect on this verse and say, well, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a great reminder to us that the world lies in sin, that the world is certainly disgusting before the eyes of God. And cert- certainly we know that there's a lot of things that God disproves of in our world, right? I mean, we know that because man is depraved. Man, you know, is constantly thinking evil and doing evil. Man without Christ has no ability to change his circumstances. He doesn't have any ability to do what we would call spiritually good. And so we begin to think about the world, and we begin to think about this text, in verse 16, he tells us the six things, seven things. And then, remember, in verse 17, he gets down to the latter part of verse 17 and says that it's those who shed innocent blood. Now, that word innocent blood, I think, doesn't need a whole lot of exegesis. We don't need to, I don't need to spend a lot of time this morning giving you Hebrew words because I think we saw, we, we see and we understand very quickly that what he's talking about is the spilling of innocent blood, that is, murder. That's what he's talking about in the text. You cannot tiptoe around that. You can't get around that. That's what he's talking about. And, and when you begin to think about innocent blood, all throughout the Bible, every time it is mentioned, every 17th time it's mentioned, it is talking about that which is pure, blameless. It's that which is innocent. So it's about murder of innocent people. Now, I don't have time this morning to sit here and play some of the gymnastic games that we play talking about situational ethics. You know, uh, should, should we go to war? Should we defend ourselves? We, we don't have time to talk about all those things this morning, and I'm not even going to go there this morning, okay? Because that's a, that's a different sermon altogether. Because what I want to do is sort of get through the text, and then at the end, I'm hoping that you'll see why this is a necessary text for us to hear this morning. So it's not just that we gain information and we go, yeah, we're pumped up about the world. You know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, we know, because they're murderous people. It's not about them. It's about us. All right, we're not here for the world this morning. We're here for us. We're, we're here for God to speak to us and to conform us and transform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And so how can God do this through this text this morning? So as we begin to think about innocent blood, I'm going to be focusing on murder. Now, along with that, I cannot stand up here and tell you that one subject I got, I'm going to ignore, I can't ignore when I'm talking about murder, and especially of innocent blood, I cannot ignore the abortion that's taking place in America. I can't do that. I would be lying to you if I preached a sermon on murder this morning and never mentioned it because I think it's the, it's probably the, 
the greatest example that I can use from the pulpit this morning, other than telling you about a mom killing her kids, and we see murder every day on the television. Matter of fact, we have dedicated news programs, 2020 and others, Dateline, who spend a whole evening on a Saturday evening giving you a two-hour story unfolding the murder of somebody that has taken place. And so we're inundated with all kinds of stuff. we got cop shows on TV. We're inundated with all that stuff. And the reality is that murder is not uh, grabbing us like it should because we have become soft. We, we have become where, you know, we, we see it so much that it's just, oh, well, somebody else got killed. You know, it's like no big deal, you know. And, and, and yet it is a big deal. But when you're thinking about abortion, I want you to understand something. Ever since 1973, when the United States legalized abortion, there's been over 60 million babies killed. I want you to think about that for a minute. 60 million babies have been aborted. That's frightening, y'all. Amen? That's sad that, that we have done that. And I want you to know something this morning, that just because... Judges say it's right doesn't make it right. God is not going to overlook this sin. Amen? He's not going to do that. And just like, and we're going to see in a minute, but just like Abel's blood is crying out from the ground to God for vengeance, the blood of babies is crying out to God for vengeance. And so I want you to think about that as the backdrop. As we begin to think about the text today, I want to sort of just give you three truths to hang sort of, you know, structure around this morning as we talk about murder. And then I want us to sort of, as we, we wrap it up, I hope that you'll see why um, we're, we're looking at the text today and the way we're looking at it uh, from a perspective. So the Ten Commandments, right? You remember the Ten Commandments? God gave them to the nation. And the Sixth Commandment says this, you shall not murder. So it's, a, it's one of the Ten Commandments, but I want you to know something that just because a commandment has been given not to murder, that's not just the reason why we don't murder because we have to understand that, that murder was addressed pre-law. That is before God even gave the Ten Commandments, murder was already addressed. Matter of fact, it was addressed very early and we're going to look at that in a minute, but why is murder wrong? Well, let me just give it to you why, we're, why it's wrong. Number one, write it down, because God created us in his image. Can I tell you that life has value because God has created men and women, boys and girls, in his image. Amen? Now, there's, it's interesting how certain people define the image of God in man in certain ways. But the reality is when God created us, and I want you to turn your Bible to Genesis in chapter 1. And I want you to see in verses 26 and 27 what God says about the image of God in man. He says to us, and God said, and it's on the screen if you need it as well. Let us make man in our image, he says, according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle. And over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man, notice what he says, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. What a great summary statement that God makes about the creation of human beings. And what God says to us is that he has created us in his image. And when I define image, when I think about the image of God, man, it's certainly that it's not that God looks like a 52-year-old guy who has a beard and is fat. Okay, that's not what we're talking about this morning. What we're talking about this morning is that God has given us the ability to think and to reason. God has given us something that the animals do not have. 
And we can have a relationship with God and Adam and Eve enjoyed a relationship with God by fellowshipping with him in the cool of the day until sin came into the world. And that perfect relationship that they had, that image of God that was in man that started off perfect was marred. It wasn't done away with. It was marred by sin. And rather than men beginning to think and to act like God and be righteous, men began to think evil continually. And by the time the flood comes, what we find is that the world has spun out of control. And what God has to do is is he, he says, I regret that I made man. And then God, what does he do? He sends the flood and only one family is saved, Noah and his three boys and his wife and daughter-in-laws because men that image of God and man was marred they 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 now are using that intellect that God had given them to think evil and they're using their hands to to produce murder and to destroy one another and to rebel against God it's it's incredible how depraved humankind really is amen I was telling my Sunday school class this morning, we should not be surprised when we see something on television that is so horrific that somebody has done because that's the world, amen? That's man without Jesus. He is wicked and he will devise all kinds of wickedness and we'll talk about that, Lord willing, as we look through the seven because that's one of the seven we're going to be dealing with. So the image of God in man is the reason why murder is wrong. And how do you know that, preacher? Well, because, remember, God reset the world. And at the end of the flood, he had Noah. And at the end of the flood, he sent Noah and his sons out of the ark. And it's kind of interesting to me that what God did is he sent them out of the ark and said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. But you know, God knows man. God knows who we are. God knows what the world's like. We sometimes act like God doesn't, but God knows what the world's like. And so you know what God has to do? God has to lay down a command. And he lays down a command, pre-law, not one of the Ten Commandments. He lays down a pre-law command in Genesis chapter 9. I want you to look at it with me. Because in Genesis 9, he gives us in verse 5 and 6, this unique command. He says, surely, he says, for your lifeblood, I will demand a reckoning. That is, if somebody spills your blood, I'm going to demand an accounting of that. Well, what's the accounting? He says, from the hand of every beast, I will require. So if an animal kills a man... You know, and later on in the law, God gives what's supposed to happen. If an animal stampedes somebody, there's all these laws that God has about that. And so, but he says, if an animal kills a man, there's a reckoning for that animal. Amen. There's an accountability of that. But then he goes on and says, and from the hand of every man. So if a man kills a man, if a man spills the blood of a man, there is a reckoning, he says. And he goes on in the verse and says in verse 5, he says, from the hand of every man's brother... I will require the life of a man. So what is the demand? What, if a man murders another man, what is God saying? Can I just tell you what he's saying? Capital punishment. Amen. All right? Capital punishment. Now, that's not popular in our world today. We don't like to talk about that today. But can I just tell you, that's pre-law. It's not like somebody can cite the Old Testament. Well, that was just the, that was those Old Testament commands. That has not, listen, that's before the Old Testament commands. Amen? That's before the 10 were given. And so God, as he reset the world and he sends out those families to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, he knows the heart of men. And he knows that men, because of their depravity, are going to, as they grow, they're going to be against each other and they're going to fight against each other and they're going to attack one another. It's going to be murder again. He knows this. And so God says, I'm going to give you something to govern you. And that governing is that if a man kills another man, his life 
will be a reckoning for that. That's what he says, right? Why so? Why would God be so stringent upon that? Well, notice what he says. It's not just a command. He says in verse 6, he says, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood will be shed. For in the image of God he made man. There it is. There's the value of human life. The value of human life is the fact that this person has been created in the image of God. Babies. Conceived in the image of God. See, you may be sitting here today and say, you know, my life's not worth anything. Let me tell you something. Your life is valuable to God. Why? Because he created you. And he put his image upon you. And so you're valuable to God. So much so that God said, don't murder. Don't kill. And if there is a killing, I'm going to have a capital punishment system by which you're going to pay the price for that. Amen? And we're not going to debate whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent because God said it. I just believe it. Amen? That's what God said. And we're not going to debate that this morning. We don't have time to get into those situational ethics things this morning. But it's the truth. It's what God says here in his word. And so when you and I think about life and the value of life, the question that often comes up that I've been asked even is, okay, you know, you mentioned abortion is murder. Where, where do you get that? Well, I want you to write down two verses of Scripture. We're not going to spend a lot of time here, but I want you to write down two verses of Scripture. I want you to see that the baby is a live, living person. Amen? That at the moment of conception, there's life. First of all, can I just ask you a question? How can anything, how can anything grow that doesn't have life? I think about a farmer. A farmer goes out into a field, and he plows up a field, and then he makes his plant row, and he goes down the row, and he plants seed. And if the seed, is, the seed that was once dead comes to life, it grows. If it doesn't, it doesn't produce anything. I learned a long time ago from a farmer who helped me plant a garden one time that we, we used this trucker's favorite corn. And the, it was great tasting corn, but the problem about it, it was a hybrid seed. And so, you know, I, was, I told him, I said, hey, man, this corn is so good. We need to keep some of these ears of corn and, you know, use some seed. He's like, he laughed at me. He said, preacher, you can't do that. I said, why can't you do that? He said, because hybrid corn doesn't produce. You can't do that. It does, it's not going to produce anything. So you know, how ignorant I was. I, I grew up in New Jersey, man. We went to the grocery store to get our corn, amen? So, you know, I didn't grow any, but actually we had a garden at our house. But, but the reality is, you know, when you think about the seed, we, we, we say there's plants that have life, and yet they try to convince us that life doesn't begin at conception. But if there's no life, there's no growth, but you know, 40 days in, there's brain waves. 18 days in, there's a heartbeat. Don't tell me there's not life there. That baby's growing. The minute it's conceived, it's beginning to grow. Amen? In Jeremiah 1.5, God talks about knowing Jeremiah before he even was conceived in the womb. If you don't like that verse, then all you got to do is go to Luke chapter 1. And it tells us that when Mary walked into the room... And announced herself that the baby, John the Baptist, leaped in his mother's womb. How's that not life? And any woman in this room that's carried a baby, you know, <laughs> that's life. Amen? So we need to understand murder is wrong because why? We are created in the image of God. Number two, write this down. God's going to have a reckoning for murderers. Amen. God's going to not let people get away with it. Go all the way back. Genesis chapter four, write it down. Genesis chapter four, verse 10. 
There are these two brothers. You remember Cain and Abel are two brothers. And they come before God with sacrifices. And God receives Abel's and not Cain's. And, and as a result of that, Cain is sort of bent out of shape, right? He, he's angry. And God speaks to Cain. And, and he says to him, you know, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? And so the issue is Cain's heart. Uh, he, he wasn't going to approach God on God's term. He wanted to approach God on his terms. And so he gets angry. And so one day him and his brother in the field, and guess what anger le- leads to? If you don't get it under control, it leads to murder. And in verse 10 of chapter four, listen to what God's estimation is. He comes and he asks a question and he says, what have you done, Cain? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. One commentator said this, innocent blood has no voice. He says it may be that it is non-discernible to human ears, but listen, it has a voice that reaches to God. And the cry of a wicked deed demands vengeance. Think about that. Think about that. Cain thought he got away with murder. God says your brother's blood cries out cries out. Go back to Genesis 9. What did he say? He says, whoever sheds man's blood by his blood shall it be shed for in the image of God he made them. Listen, capital punishment again. You just go back to it. God is demanding something be done. And what does God do? Well, God doesn't take his life, but God curses Cain, doesn't he? And he sends him out. And You know what happens in Cain's line? It's wicked. There's nothing redemptive about it. Just read the Bible. There's nothing redemptive. As a matter of fact, it becomes so wicked that even Lamech, when he comes on the scene, he marries two women, and he even boasts that he's a murderer. Even boasts, sings about it, that he's this great conqueror. He killed a young man, he says, for wounding him. Folks, let me just tell you, we don't need to spend a lot of exegetical time this morning. Murder's wrong. And it's wrong because we created the image of God. And God is going to deal with all murderers. Okay? You, you get that this morning? That's pretty simplistic. That's pretty simplistic preaching. I could close up the Bible and we can go home today. But you know what? That's easy for you to just say, you know what? I'm never going to murder anybody. Well, hey, praise God. You may never murder anybody. I've learned not to be surprised, amen, by people or what people do. But the reality is, I don't know that I know any mass murderer or killer in the room today. At least I don't physically. But I think I see some faces of some people who have murdered somebody in their heart. And see, what I want to do is I want us to help, I want us to help understand something that, that when God gave the Ten Commandments, it was not so that they could be saved. It was to help us understand how depraved we really are. And that when we take the Ten Commandments and we boil them down, and Jesus did, right, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, and we talk about loving God with everything that we are and loving others, we have to sort of understand that the spirit of the law is where Jesus camped. You remember in Matthew chapter 5, I want you to turn there for a minute with me. In Matthew chapter 5, because here's what I want to do. I want to transition from talking about the world to talking about us. And oh me, when I look in the mirror, it hurts. But I want you to see what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5, he begins and he talks to us. And here's what he says. He said, you have heard that it is said to those of old, 
Now we're talking about Old Testament. We're talking about the law, right? He said, you have heard it. It was said to those of all, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Jesus takes the Old Testament now. He takes that command, the sixth command. And here's what he said. You, you know that it was told to those guys back there that you should not murder. And if you murder, guess what? You're going to be guilty. We get that. But notice what Jesus does. Jesus hits us right between the eyes. Because listen to what he says. He said, but I say to you, I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Wait a minute, Jesus. You're, you're crossing a fine line here. Certainly you're not going to judge me for getting a little tiffed at my brother. That's what he said. That's what he said. Right? Do you see it? Am I wrong? But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And we don't have time to really break all that down, though I wish we had time to spend a lot more time on that verse today. But I want you to understand, anger is his point. Anger is the point of Proverbs 6, 17. Anger runs into murder. Get a hold of your anger. That's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, get on your And he says, and whoever, he goes on and says in verse 22, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, you moron, he says, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Ooh, Jesus, you're stepping on my toes. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, see, we want to jump to that verse and forget the previous verses. Then if you, he says, so therefore, if you come to the altar bringing your gift, and you remember your brother has something against you, not you against your brother. Your brother has something against you. If your brother has something against you, here's what you do. Leave your gift to the altar, go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and you are thrown into prison. Assuredly, verse 26, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Oh my, do you get it? Jesus is saying to us, yes, there is a physical act of murder, but I want you to understand that there is a spiritual act of murder that we may be committing when we have this anger and malice in our heart towards one another. By the way, is it not still a direct violation of loving your neighbor as yourself? Sure it is. Sure it is. How are you loving to your neighbor when you're angry with him? When you mistreat them? When you call them names, moron, fool, how are we really loving and kind at that point? We're not. We're not. I don't know about you, but I'm looking in the mirror right now and I'm going, I don't like what I see. Amen? Are y'all with me? You say, well, you're taking that a little too far. Well, <laughs> that's the way um, Paul applied it. Look at Romans chapter 13, verses 9 through 10. Paul applies it. Here's how he applies it. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you should love your neighbor as yourself. And in verse 10, here it is. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. If I'm angry with my brother, if I'm calling him a moron and a fool, 
Is that loving? It's not fulfilling the purpose of the law, is it? It gets even worse. I mean, John, listening to Jesus preach, John picks up on this in 1 John chapter 3. Listen to what he says in chapter 3, verse 15. He says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. What? Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Do you hate a fellow believer? You're a murderer. You say, hey, oh, preacher, you didn't cross the line. I'm not crossing any lines. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And I'm just telling you that when, you, when I look at the mirror, I go, you know what? I have, a, I have an orange jumpsuit on. <laughs> Amen? Folks, I'm just here to say it's easy for us to look into the Bible and say, yeah, murder is wrong and the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And, you know, we could talk about it all day long. But, you know, when the Bible begins to take the principle of that, and begins to apply it to us. We have to go, oh, me. Lord, I'm the one that stands in need of prayer. God, I'm the one that has to examine my heart today and go, God, have I committed murder in my heart towards my brothers or sisters in Christ? I don't know about you, but that's scary. Because you know what? Jesus in Matthew 5, if you didn't catch it, Jesus said that just as God hears the blood of innocent blood spilt onto the ground... God sees when we mistreat one another and we have anger with one another. And he says there that we will be held accountable. Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.